Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the personal development podcast for authors, entrepreneurs, and career professionals who are looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. Happy, happy Monday. It's Monday again. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's like it's Monday again. Did you know, Ted, this is episode number 116 of the 30-minute hour podcast. Wow. And they said it and they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> That's they right. said it wouldn't last. Or was that me that said it? <laughs> Maybe I that said it to myself. Said. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, great. I'm just glad we proved them wrong. So That's right. That's <laughs> episode right. number 116, the 30 minute hour podcast. It's not your everyday podcast. We do things differently Same. around here. We're trying to prepare Tizer backstage. I, I think he'll start to understand that here shortly. Uh, but the good news, the good news is you can so you can watch us live, like many of you are doing right now on facebook and linkedin we're even on twitch um, but later you can actually uh, go back and listen to the recordings that we that we put on apple podcasts and spotify and anywhere you like to listen to podcasts there you'll find us and don't forget to share the show share the show <laughs> that's right <laughs> share the show Especially, especially if you felt like you laughed, you learned, and you leveled up. That that's really what we want. What we want to accomplish. So, if you feel that, please make sure you share the show and, and spread the word. A um, couple of things I want to bring up uh, before we get into the interview. We're going to interview and we're going to introduce Tizer here in just a second. Uh, but I want you to know about an event I've talked about the past couple of weeks. Uh, that's sponsored by the Bernie L. Bates Foundation. They're a nonprofit organization. They do a lot of great things in the community. It's the Discipline of Now webinar series that I'm doing. It's a four-part webinar series. Part number one is tomorrow. We're talking about beating procrastination and boosting your productivity. It's free. All you have to do is register. Go to blbinc.com. Org, and you can register. And the good thing with the Bernie O. Bates Foundation is that they provide scholarships to high schoolers. They help uh, the senior citizen community and those that are in need. So they do a lot of great things in the community. They're sponsoring this event. It's, it's an honor for me to be presenting. Again, it's tomorrow at 11 o'clock Eastern time. Make sure you register. Go to BLBINC dot org to do that yeah yes make sure you represent man make sure you represent <laughs> you want in there make sure you represent absolutely we're counting yeah, yeah we're, I, know. We're counting. I know i'm like hey man i, I gotta represent ted phil's is watching that's it who picked, the, to who picked the topic who picked the topic for the for the series uh well it was me so so <laughs> But no, actually, it was me in partnership with uh, the Bernie O'Bates Foundation. I mean, the goal is to 
end game, one of the big end games is to spread the word about the great things that they're doing. Mm. Right? And to really, you know, get support for their, their efforts to help the community. And we just thought it would be a good opportunity for us to partner. And so that's how we came to it. And, you know, you know, Ted, you know, by now, Ted, that's my thing, overcoming procrastination. That's it. That's it. That's it. Don't be putting stuff off around E-Twigs. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. No. If you want to, you want to get to your goals. If you want to become a great sales salesman, we got a we got a sales guru on the line with us. He'll tell you you can't procrastinate if you want to be outstanding with the sales process. Yes, sir. Google. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then don't forget about the What Now Movement Facebook group. If you're not in the group, make sure you go ahead and join. Today is Marketing Monday, and on Marketing Monday today, we're having all the authors share their mm -hmm. links. Put your link in the chat. It's Marketing Monday. Go ahead and join. You just never know. Oprah Winfrey could click on that link and your life changes forever. That's it. What you got to lose? Right. Or not. That may not happen. But still, just click on the, just click on the link. Put your book Put it out. out. You never know. Put it out there. Put it out there for sure. All right. So, Ted. Yes, Aaron. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share, Aaron. All right. So today I want to talk about unleashing your potential to grind, sell, and elevate. Mm. That's right. That's what I want to talk about today. And, and there's this familiar story uh, that was told of a Chicago insurance company, and they were struggling to sell policies. And, and the typical agent was only selling like two policies per month. The executive board was starting to get desperate. Uh, the CEO decided to call in this sales consultant to help them to improve. So he spent 30 minutes reviewing reports and talking with the agents. And the consultant made the following recommendation to the leadership team. Well, he, made, he, he made this following discovery. He said, your people aren't making enough sales calls. That's the problem. They, they didn't really, they weren't feeling that. They were like, oh, we, eh, that, that's not it. It's got to be something else. So sensing their disbelief, he asked them to participate in an experiment. He had each agent that, to spend a day in a randomly assigned territory, selling insurance door-to-door -to, -door to new prospects. So when the potential customer answered the door, the rep was only allowed to say, you don't want to buy life insurance today, do you? That was his pitch. You don't want to buy life insurance today, do you? So at the end of the day, they met back at the office to report on the findings of what happened. So in spite of their sales pitch, every agent sold at least one policy. Mm. Even with that sales pitch, each rep, they visited 60 prospects and they were rejected an average of like 59 times. Most with doors slammed in their faces. But here's what they found out. So they, they discovered that to get a sale, each agent needed to have 59 failures at mm -hmm. a minimum, right? Even with that horrible pitch that they needed 59 failures. Why'd I tell you that story? Here's the big takeaway. Before I tell you the big takeaway, it's very important that I have your undivided attention. And if you're driving right now, you need to pull over to the side of the road. I need your undivided attention. Okay. You're in the gym. I need you to hit the pause on the treadmill button. Just press pause. They need your undivided attention. Ted, anything else they need to do? Put the ham sandwich down. 
I don't care how good the sandwich is. This is the time you got to put it down because it's about to get good. About to get good. So, so here's the big takeaway. We're talking about unleashing your potential to grind, sell, and elevate. Here it is. The key is to factor failure into your success plan. Mm. That's the key. I mean, if you want to unleash your potential to grind, sell, and elevate, you have to factor failure into your success plan. So Richard Fenton, he's the author of this book titled Go For No. He put it this way. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there. Mm. If you're in sales, you have to understand that failure is a part of the process. But it's very important to know your numbers. And that's one of the big things with the story. You need to know how many no's do you need to get to a yes. And you just need to work the numbers. The one thing I like about math, math doesn't lie, right? Math takes the emotion out of the equation. If, you, if I talk to this many people, I should have this many sales. That's the key. So, so once you know how many no's you need, you can position yourself to grind, sell, and elevate. And it's funny we're saying that because our guest today, that's the name of his podcast, Grind, mm. Sell, Elevate. That's his email handle, Grind, Sell, Elevate. And he draws on a deep expertise in marketing and sales. He partners closely with clients to drive excellence across their businesses. He has the capability and experience to drive growth by transforming and improving existing sales processes, facilitating effective strategies and systems by analyzing metrics, streamline talent optimization and improving sales force effectiveness in other words he is somebody oh he's somebody yeah <laughs> just listen to that i can already tell you so so fasten your seatbelt and join me in welcoming to the 30 minute hour podcast tizer evans hey thanks so much eric and ted i appreciate the warm intro and that great story to lead in. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It, it is thank truly you. an honor to have you here. Yeah, like, likewise, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. All right. Good stuff. Ted, were you about to say something? No. Okay. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited. excited. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. All right. Well, let, let's roll back the clock. I want to give people the backstory so they understand how you've gotten to this point in life. Let's start with your childhood. Sure. What did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. Well, and this goes back to our uh, uh, off the camera conversation, but I was pretty sure that I was going to be a professional basketball player. And so from the time of pretty much 10 to 18, I spent pretty much every waking moment uh, thinking about basketball. Mm. Wow. So you had aspirations of being in the NBA and. I did. Yep. And uh, as we were chatting, those those aspirations as I got older and I realized my uh, my physical limitations a bit uh, that they were no longer to become possible but it's still been a, a lifelong thing I've played in men's leagues and now I, I have the uh, honor and privilege to coach my son uh, mm. which he's six and we went eight no so I feel like I'm off to a good coaching record so that's it that's you know, it nothing like herding cats <laughs> <laughs> that's about how it is that yeah, is yeah. So, like, like, at what point in life did you realize that you had a gift for selling? 
You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I was kind of your typical jock where I, I, I played three sports. I played football, basketball, and ran track. Um, but I had kind of a nerdy side to me. I always enjoyed reading. And in high school, not a lot of people know this, but I did speech and debate. And um, I competed at the state and national level. And I started right when I got into high school um, as a freshman. And so I did speech and debate all four years. And so, you know, what's people's biggest fear? Public speaking. Public speaking. There you go. And so, you know, at 14 to start to develop a skill set where you're getting in front of people, you're talking, you have to understand pros and cons and how to articulate a conversation and an argument and be persuasive. And it was also while following uh, Robert's Rules of Order. So like if you're in the Rotary Club or Alliance Club, you know, they're supposed to follow Robert's Rules of Order. Um, and so that was right. I kind of recognized that I would felt very comfortable in front of people. And I kind of liked that combativeness of using my intellect as opposed to, you know, skill on the basketball court or, you know, brute force on the football field. Um, we won't talk about track because I wasn't exceptionally. I was fast, but not that fast to win. So <laughs> that was just to stay in shape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was just for conditioning and cardio. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, look, I wasn't trying to win anyway. I was just out there for, for the workout. Yeah, yeah, I was out there for the workout. Getting ready for summer leagues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. That's funny. So if you, if you could go back to those younger days, knowing what you now know, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, you know, I think that for me, it was more uh, having a, a clear path in college. You know, I came from a um, you know, modest means. We're probably lower middle class. Um, you know, I think my parents combined income growing up was probably around 50000 mm -hmm. and And so I went to college. I put myself through college because I thought that that's just what you're supposed to do and that you would come out and you could make money. Well, I was a bit naive, but nobody really told me differently. Um, so I would have gone into college with a, a lot more strategically about my degree and what I was trying to accomplish and, uh, and the knowledge I was trying to acquire there. Um, I learned so much more, you know, outside of college than I ever did inside of college. Not that I would not go again, but I could have been a lot more strategic about it. Interesting. So now what was your, uh, your, your degree in yeah, exactly. What 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 was it? Uh, <laughs> no, it's social sciences. Uh, yep. You know, so I, it, my my roommate happened to be about six years older than me, and he was becoming a teacher. Um, and I I just kind of I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, I've been here two years, taking all the same stuff I took in high school. And he goes, Well, just do what I'm doing. He's like, That way you can you can get you know kind of a degree in communication and kind of two other degrees. And I said, okay, well, I love history and political science, and uh, communication seems like it'll get me somewhere. So um, that's kind of how I ended up where I was at with my degree. Interesting. Okay. So we're talking to Tizer Evans on the 30-Minute Hour podcast. So th this is a question that's always fascinated me. When you look at selling ability, there's a, different, a lot of different schools of thought. Like what percentage of someone's ability to sell would you say is just genetic? They just have it. And then how much, what percentage can someone just kind of teach themselves and get training on to get better? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, there's no cookie cutter answer for that. It's going to vary from person to person. Definitely. Um, I've definitely, I myself, uh, I feel like I was in that bucket that I could, people have an, um, a tendency to feel comfortable around me right away. And I can hold a conversation with anybody. 
and that's really to me all you know sales is it's obviously a lot more tactical than that we can get into the metrics and stuff like that but i just had that innate ability so my closing ratio was always great from the beginning and then there's a lot of things you can put into place to help that um where i've seen other people that were just as successful that didn't have that natural ability and had to work a lot harder um so I think it's going to vary from person to person. I think, you, you know, your environmental situation of how you grew up. I think, you know, doing those things like speech and debate. I was in, you know, Voices for Use, Interath Club, ASB Vice President. So all that other exposure I had as a, you know, a youth playing team sports allowed me to uh, compete in sales. And I think that the people who maybe aren't as social or never had a competitive background might struggle at first and have to rely on the learning of the skills that and taking courses versus what they're naturally gifted at. Yeah, I, I think um, anybody can improve their sales and become more effective. And I think it does depend on the product. If it's something you're really passionate about and believe in, you may be better at it. But I, but I do think it helps like in anything to have a knack. You know, yeah. some of the people that I know that are great that are rainmakers, they just, they kind of just have something that you can't teach. Now they, they, they turn, they get the train, they take it like Ted, you know, I think Ted's good at the sales and networking okay. piece, okay. Uh, but you know, I, <laughs> I think it, it, it helps to have that, that natural knack, but also you can certainly work to improve and get better. Um, so you, uh, you've got over 15 years of successful sales experience. Uh, and you've got a lot of accolades over the years. What, what, mm -hmm. Is there a particular accomplishment that you're most proud of? I think there's two that come to mind for me. Uh, one, I, I ran um, a really large uh, sales team. I think it was the largest, it was the largest or second largest team for um, a, a top 10 auto insurance carrier. So I was pretty young and had a really large sales team. And um we did well, and you know, I made the trips and that type of stuff. But we, the one particular year, we won uh, the best customer service score, and mm -hmm. that was out of uh, eighty-five different teams um, across, I think, twenty-two different um, states. And so that was just, it made me feel good because sales, you know, that term, like people now get away from like calling themselves a sales rep, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's an account executive, or you know, uh, like we're trying to mask what we are. It, you know, so I'm like whatever. Uh, and, and so that was from a team perspective, that was really, I was really proud of that. And then um, in 2018, I had left California and had moved to um, Atlanta, Georgia, and I kind of had a, um, a career reset. And, you know, that was tough at 33, um, drained my savings account to buy a house, wife mm -hmm. sold her business. First time she didn't have, we didn't have a double income, two kids, one and three. And I took a six figure pay cut. And, um, and so I set out on a mission to, you know, one, I had to make money. So I was pretty motivated, but two, yeah. I, I, um, I had felt like at the last company, as many awards I had won that I kind of had left a little bit of room on the table. Always. I had relied too much on my natural ability and mm -hmm. so as opposed to really pushing myself. And so this award, I set out to be number one in the company and to be rookie of the year as a, no one had ever accomplished that before. Um, and so I, I didn't accomplish my goal. I did become rookie of the year and I finished number six in the country as a rookie. And um, it's debatable whether or not there's another rep that still likes to say that they sold a little more than me their rookie year. We, I don't want to get into schematics, but I think that I, I held the, the personal That's record for the company. Um, so, but that was just, you know, it was something that I sought out after and I was proud of myself 
for uh, you know the ramp up time for that that type of tenure is usually eighteen to twenty four months. And so, uh, what I did in in less than a year was was I was proud of. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you said something uh, earlier that I wanted to unpack. You said that the trend now is to get away from using the word sales. Or I'm I'm a salesman. No, I'm an account executive. Mm-hmm. Why why do you think that is? Why? Because people st- still think of like Glengarry Glen Ross, right? They still think that like, well, I'll give you a great example of why people don't like to be called themselves salespeople. I was in Cabo two weeks ago and, um, and my mom has a timeshare. And so we wouldn't stay with uh, her. And so we had to listen to the pitch, right? Well, you, you know, everybody knows timeshare pitches. Those coming. And I'm like, so whatever. I go to the pitch because they're going to give me a $4 credit. I want some free margaritas. So, you know, so I go there and the guy, like, he's just one of those dudes. And we walk over. First thing he says, all right, we're going to go ahead and sign the contract. All I need is your uh, IDs. What? 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 You know, and then he just stayed on that hard. Like, my mom must have said no eight times. And the guy wouldn't let up, right? He wouldn't mm. let up. And it became to the point where it was almost like you know, it was abusive. It was just like, you know, this is a turnoff. And it's that type of old school mentality of how we close in the 60s and 70s, 80s that gave people a distaste for sales. And so the moment someone thinks it's coming, you know, they're like, oh, shit, salesperson, run. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Sorry. I do on my show. So, um, you know, so that's where I think that people try to get away from it and, and kind of like, I'm going to beat around the bush. I'm not in sales, but I'm going to try to sell you. And you're like, come on. You know, um, and that's actually why I thought that your opening story, the effect actually that disruption effect can can be a very effective method to start a conversation with that. Hey, I'm, I don't even know if this is a good fit for me. You know, that usually throws people off. You know, when I, when I talk to consultants because right. I'm in insurance, or you're talking to a business owner. I don't even know if that I want to work with you. That's part of my call. And it, it kind of like it makes them lower the guard reset their brain so they're not on the defense so that actually can be really effective for disrupting a thought pattern right away Mm -hmm. interesting interesting so to me like i don't know of anything you could be doing in your career where you're not involved in sales one way or the other you're selling something right yeah yeah i just i can't think of that so i i think the challenge is everybody should consider themselves that like sales is their responsibility. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Well, what does Grant Cardone say? You know, sell or be sold. Is exactly. it, there's only two ways in that relationship. You're selling or you're getting sold on why they shouldn't buy from you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But with, with all accounts, how do, you know, how do we get our, you know, your spouse, <laughs> right? Like how did you get your job in the first place? You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. it, everything, it, yep. it's everywhere you go. Yep. I, I think it like the two critical life skills you have to have are selling and leadership. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. Yep. I think if you, if you're great in those two categories, I think you can have a successful life. Yeah. You'll never not be without a job. If you can do those two things for sure. Yeah. Yep. So if you're watching this right now, you're listening, stop saying that you're not in sales because I haven't met you yet. I don't know what you do, but I bet you you're selling something. You're selling something. Yep. You are so you're selling yourself. You're you're doing something. So that's right. All right. So you you consult with clients uh, to help them improve their sales. So like describe what is your ideal client and how specifically do you help someone that works with you? 
So, I mean, for me right now, ideal client is one-on-one. Um, I have helped some small businesses. I just don't have the capacity kind of, I made another uh, recent transition three months ago in my career. Um, so just helping people one-on-one, you know, the first thing I really look at is assessing their goals. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is where a lot of um, sales managers, it's always interesting. I, I went out um, last week to a happy hour with, with somebody and they were asking me, the, the team I led last year, we were up 74% in COVID and uh, we grew the business $10 million. And they're like, how did you do that? And I said, well, the first thing I always sit down is when I assess the culture of the office that I'm in or the business that I'm in, right? And then it's also important to understand the culture if you're working one-to-one with somebody, what type of environment they're in. And then start to assess their personal and professional goals. And not a lot of managers or companies take the time to really truly get to know their people. So they're, they're, they're trying to manage a one-style fits all when you're dealing with a bunch of individuals. Mm. So that's the first thing. And then I help that person let's draw a roadmap for your, your goals. Like how can mm. we accomplish them? So I want to be really invested in you. And I see sales as just a great vehicle to get the freedom you want out of life. Whether it's more time with your kids, you want to work on your spirituality, you want a vacation, whatever it is. And then it starts to look at, okay, well, what are you doing for a sales cadence? Do you have one built out or what we call a sales sequence? I like to design a certain amount of touches per quarter and every touch is a little bit different. So and you're, you're trying to always find your prospect and meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. So we kind of start, and most people don't have those built out. So it's you know, low hanging fruit is kind of what we start with. And then we start to drill into the metrics to, to your, to your story, because in what Ted said, you know, the numbers don't lie. Like you can't escape them. Like you, you cannot escape the numbers. So, you know, uh, it's a great way to always call BS on somebody. Um, and then once we establish the metrics and the conversion ratio, understanding their sales cycle, put the metrics into place and then it starts to drill down maybe mm-hmm. on their scripting. You know, how are you leaving a voicemail? Like I, here's what somebody does all the time. You hear the people do this all and drives me nuts. Because, hey, Eric, this is Ty Klein with XYZ company. The reason I was reaching out to you today is, you know, blah, 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 to maybe help you save 20% on your cell phone bill. Give me a call back if you're interested. Here's my phone number. Guess what? The person doesn't know, like, or trust you yet. They're never mm-hmm. going to call you back. Stop saying it. You know, it's just stop, stop it. So what I do is teach them like set the expectation that you're a true professional because it's your job to follow up. So set the expectation that you're going to and when you're going to, and then you can follow through on that promise of following up by the third or fourth call of you calling back Tuesday at two, they're going to call you back because they don't want to get your voicemail anymore. I just better call this guy guy because, you know, he's going to keep calling Tuesday at two like he says every week. And so it's way more effective. Plus, it's your responsibility and your job to follow up with them, right? It's, it's not their job to follow up with you. That's interesting. So you're saying in that, in that voicemail scenario, it's better to say, hey, this is Tizer. I'm going to follow back up with you again? 100%. So you want to stay in a, in a quick, short, night, tight message, who you are, why you're calling, and when you're going to call again. Hmm. Okay. So other than like the voicemail piece, because you're right, I do hear that a lot as far as how people answer on the phones and all that. But what, what are some other common things that trip people up that keep them from being as effective in sales as they could be? You know, the typical rookie mistake, always doing the info dump. You know, you get, you get like, I love like, there's like this little gif, right? Of the guy holding the fish and he's running around with the fish. It just reminds me of like a salesperson, right? They get them on the line. They're like, oh my God, someone picked up the phone. And then they get the fish and then they, what do I do with the fish? You know what I mean? So it's like, then they start just talking 
Mm. as opposed to asking questions. And so I always start a conversation with what I call power questions. Mm. And I have my, I usually have 10 to 15 power questions listed out. And this is something I help people develop are these power questions. And they're to get, again, get the person talking about themselves. Start asking them questions about their industry. Get them to think outside the box in ways because when your competitor calls, they're either doing one of two things. They're asking the same questions you are, which doesn't make you any different, or they're doing the information dump and they're annoying them just as much as you did by doing the information dump. So I try to think really outside the box questions. Where's a blind spot in their business they don't even know they have? Mm -hmm. And I can help point that out through asking great questions. And so that usually will get the ball rolling and by asking great questions and allowing them to talk about themselves and their business in strategic areas they hadn't thought about, then they start to see me as an expert without really me even providing any really type of value. Mm. So, so describe like what's like what's your ace in the hole power question? Like that, oh. what's the one that you just kind of carry with you? So, if I when I'm talking with the especially when I work with a lot of uh, insurance consultants, so great one because every <laughs> every consultant, you know. And they, a lot of them do a great job. But when you ask them, my favorite question is, how do you differentiate yourself from your competition? Mm-hmm. And they don't get asked that by people, you know, uh, reps within that insurance industry. We have great customer service. Well, duh. Like, you're like, like our customer oh, service. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, right, like, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's not a differentiator, yeah. right. you know, and, and so it makes them really think critically. What am I doing in my business where I'm winning business over X, Y, Z, the next technology? Everyone's talking about technology, right? Like th- then there can be some differentiators there, but it's not enough. And, and so those are the, those are the types of questions um, or, you know, like I work for a benefit captive which is a niche kind of within a niche. And so I'll ask them, you know, more of a high level question. How are you um, assessing your risk management for your self-insured clients? And I have them walk me through their steps and their process with how they're analyzing risk. You know, how are you driving down claim spend um, for specialty medication, right? It's a very specific question that is not going to be very typical. Typical questions, who are you currently writing with? What's your average size client, right? And so I want to start asking them, getting them to think differently because I know that they probably don't have solutions for those questions that I do. Mm. And, and so just to engage them differently. You know, I think people underestimate the value of asking questions and listening when you think about the sales process, right? And I can remember uh, going on interviews for jobs in, in early my career and the guy would say, hey, sell me this pen. And I'd say, oh, yeah, it's a great pen. <laughs> and they wouldn't call me back. And I'm like, well, what happened? But, you know, the, the right answer is asking questions, right? Asking the power questions. Yeah. You know, what are you looking for in a pen? Why do you even think you need a pen? Why, you know, asking exactly. those questions and getting the person to talk. Yep. That, that's all it is. I feel like, you know, there's, I always say there's three things that make a great salesperson is, is one, the first one is you, you've got to, you've got to be a great listener. Yeah. Right. It should always be a 70, 30, 80, 20 relationship. You know, second thing is you got to have empathy and, and understand that when you call somebody, sometimes that person just might have gotten in a fight with their their wife or their husband and they're going to shit on you because you're the next person that called and like, don't take a personal. Right. Um, so have a little bit of grace, have a little bit of empathy when you're talking to people about their situation. And then lastly, you got to be a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Because pe- people learn and they can resonate with stories more than they can of you talking about 
you know, the benefits and the features. Like they can't always resonate with that because they don't know how it'll apply to them. But understanding their situation through great questions, they'd be able to relate it in a story that worked well for a previous client um, or maybe you can borrow a story from somebody in your office. Um, you know, that will start to resonate and put them in a position where they can see themselves utilizing your product, good or service. So, so Tizer, do you have any um, tips for like sales through email? Yeah, so this is a, I, I would say keep the subject line seven words or less. This end statistically, it's, it's much better. Use tracking if you can, um, if you have the, those type of application systems so you can find out who's reading it and when and how many times and if it's being forwarded to so you can engage with that person faster. And then always for me, don't put a lot of attachments on it because it's going to mm. get filtered to spam. Mm. And then don't write uh, you know, your college thesis and an email, an intro email. Because yeah. they're not going to read it. Yeah. You know, my, mine are like three three sentences. Hi, my name's Ty. This is what I do. Here's what I want to know about you. And then I kind of peek them with like two or three like high level stuff that we do really well that I know no one else does. And then I ask, if this resonates with you, let's set up a call for 15 minutes and I point them towards my calendar. You know, you know it's great that you say that. That kind of goes back to like the you talked about I think earlier you said the information dump. Right in a conversation with someone, and right? You can, do an, you can do an information dump in an email as well, right? Yeah, yes, so much stuff in there. And I tell people this all the time: no one's reading all that. <laughs> like, like they're having a hard enough time keeping up with their emails, so now they get this random email, and you want them to read pages and pages of stuff. Yeah, so no, that, that was a good point. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna. I, I wish I would tell this to my reps. I'm like, and I would do this a lot in our meetings because a lot of these guys would want to especially when you're working with people that haven't been coached before, they will make a call and then they'll spend 25 minutes typing out a beautifully written email that just goes into the void. And so I'll show them, I go, I've, right now I've got 23,188 emails that are not read. Right. That's all? Yeah, right. That's all you have? Uh, right. Uh, I'm like, okay, you can write me your thesis. I'm not going to read it, clearly. You know? So yeah. I – you have to think how are you, how do you act as a consumer? Yeah. Do you read novels? Do people write you? No, you don't. Yeah, so why not. are you writing novels? You know. So. And, and you have to figure the focus now for people is opting out of all the newsletters and stuff they're subscribed to. Yeah. So, their default is to just ignore the email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to have a here, here's a huge differentiator, a, a great tip that not a lot of people do. You make a first intro call, even if you just leave a voicemail and trying to get a hold of a prospect, you send them a, a card in the mail, just like a little post-it card, just like, well, hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a great week. Left you a voicemail. Feel free to shoot. That will generate business because people, I look forward going to the mail now because I hate looking at my email. My wife and I, it's like, we get anything good today? You know, I'm like, well, short of your eight Amazon packages, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> funny. You know, you know, it's funny. I remember one time I got some mail. Someone was selling something to me, and they actually gave me like fifty dollars in the mail. And they were like, "Yeah, you know, these fifty dollars. Like, hopefully, you know, you will you will call us back and set up an appointment, and all of that." And I, I meant to call them back, Tyson. I really did. <laughs> I mean, it was on my mind. I was like, man, I got to call this person back. Whoever sent me this $50, but 
I didn't, but I appreciate the fifty dollars. I don't know. I mean, they at least got my attention. Right. Yeah. It's just it's a again. It's how are you different than your competition in the marketplace? You know, do something different. If that person would have placed a follow up call, you know, maybe two weeks after they sent you the fifty dollar gift card, Ted, I would you spend that fifty bucks on, bud. I think they. Did. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think they did do a follow up call, Ted. <laughs> I think I even made a note that I was going to still call him back. I mean, I feel, I feel bad. And, and But, yeah, they got my attention. I at least read what they sent me and everything, and I meant to call the person back. So right. if anybody wants to send me $50, again, <laughs> tell them to take it. Just show me something. You know, tell me something. I'll, I'll listen. I'll take the 50 Oh, That's listen. great. Yeah. So, so the person that's watching, that's listening to us, that wants to improve their sales skills. What, like, what books would you recommend that they read? Um, so, I mean, there's there's so many great sales books out there. The ones I typically uh, recommend to read are, um, geez, Combo Prospecting by Tony Hughes is is a great book. Um, it, you know, he really he really talks about how do you. How do you have that one-two punch, right? Like, because uh, again, what a lot of salespeople do, they'll get into like, I just pound the phone, or mm -hmm. I just do email, or I'm just doing DMs on Instagram. Now, what you need to do is you need to have this is why you build out a sales sequence. You need to be having different touch points and understanding where your clientele resonates and hit that place the most. But again, so so your competition might be hitting them there a lot too. So you know, maybe it might be that's someone you have to link with up on Twitter because their, their LinkedIn inbox is too full. Um, you know, so, so that's a good place to start. Cool. Awesome. Combo prospecting. I, I think you probably can't go wrong with the Grant Cardone books either. Yeah. Seller Be Sold is a great sales book. Um, and then my other, my other favor is the challenger sale. Um, mm. And that is by Brent Adamson and Matthew Dixon, I believe. And I came out in 09, uh, but it's still just as relevant as ever. It, it really, it talks a lot about just providing value is not enough anymore, right? It's an interpreting the value into insight for your customers and your potential prospects. Um, that's a great one. And then the last one I, I've got over here that I, I, I really enjoyed, I read last year was um, Anthony Annarino's book, um, Eat Their Lunch. Eat Their Lunch? Yeah. <laughs> and that talks a lot about sales sequencing and how to build out a good, uh, strong sales sequence and kind of the quadrants of how to identify who your prospects are and what's the differentiator between a decision maker and an influencer. And you need to build out, um, you know, if you're in B2B, you need to build out your org chart, right? And have a, an idea of who's who with inside of an organization. Great. All right. So in addition to being the, uh, the sales guru and, basketball legend uh caught <laughs> me at the knees eric <laughs> <laughs> you're also the host of the grind sell and elevate podcast uh first off like how did you come up with that that name um to be honest with you i the, the way it started out was to be a youtube channel and i read this book vlog like a boss i forget woman's name i can see the book up there I forget the woman's name anyway so she had a really successful youtube channel and she called it hers was like you know sexy something something right and it was like three words and it was 
but every word represented a bucket and then she could plan her content around the bucket. And so I was like, well, I want to help people stay motivated. I want to teach them how to sell, but I'm also really passionate about staying in shape. My wife's a holistic nutritionist um, and she's a certified yoga teacher. And so the way we live our, our life is a, is all about how do we level up spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, because it all contributes to what you do every day. And so I wanted to be able to not just be another show where I'll give you all the sales info, but you're also going to learn about what nootropics I take and, hmm. you know, and, and I'll bring guests on that will maybe be focused in more of a spirituality or our mindset focus as opposed to sales. Cause I think it all intertwines. So that was the idea was to have these different buckets uh, behind the podcast. That's kind of how I, I came to the name. Interesting. So you kind of touched on this, but so what, what, so the person that's listening, like when they're not listening to the 30 minute hour podcast and they check this podcast out, what, what, what are some specific things they're going to get from tuning in? Yeah. So on Grindstone Elevate, um, you know, it's interesting. It's really evolved. The first 95 episodes I did were just me. So, you know, you know, bear with me the first 95 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I, you know, probably like people ask you guys to come on all the time. It was the same thing. People started asking me. And then I started, I just had started interviewing people. I said, this is actually another cool platform and I enjoy talking to people anyway. So um, now it's kind of evolved where I've had people on that are, you know, a specialty in SEO, um, other people that do conversion. Uh, I had a lady on um, last week. She's got three engineering degrees, a master's in neuroscience and a PhD in, um, in leadership. And so she helps put executives, like basically rewire their brain. Wow. And and it, it, so, you know, I've, I've gotten to talk to some, um, some, some pretty cool people uh, from all different industries and walks of life all over the world. So it's, you, you get a real gamut, you know, with me, there's no, I talked to a COO of a crypto company um, last month. So, you know, mm-hmm. never know. We got into a weird conversation about fiat currency that had nothing to do with anything. So, <laughs> you know, we got into the federal reserve act. I went, I went off, I went total conspiracy off the deep end. So <laughs> really through the listeners for a, a weird one on that one. Cool. And you got quite, you were at what, 160 something episodes? Yeah, I think 165, 166. Yeah. There. yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. We, yeah. We're over bragging about our 116. You're yeah, right. right. <laughs> hey, look, look, look. And he was like, and like when you said the number, he was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, so we have a ways to go, but now congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, cool. yeah, so, awesome. so, 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 you mentioned something earlier where you said that, uh, that you had a lot of success during the, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like to hear a little bit about that. I mean, what'd you do? What'd you do different? I mean, you said, okay, Hey, I can't get out and kind of face to face. Like, I, you know, could in the past. I mean, you know, I have to come up with some new strategy. Can you tell us about like, you know, when it hit you and then kind of the thought process you went to coming up with that solution? Sure. Uh, so a couple of things, obviously, like we all had to is pivot and use technology. And so uh, besides Zoom that everybody else was starting to do at the same time, implemented Calendly, uh, a calendar system with a call to action. So I had all of uh, the reps uh, that I was working with uh, use that as a call to action to help schedule appointments and streamline it. So it's not this. It, you, want, you want to meet at five? Oh, no, I can do 4.30. Oh, no, I can't do 4.30 anymore because in the time that it took to me to read my email, that got booked, right? So then you're going back and forth with the prospect three or four days 
trying to figure out time to meet. You know, it was driving me nuts. So implementing Calendly and then using things like Vidyard, which is an you know email platforming system that's highly effective. If you look at the engagement numbers, they're off the charts. And so doing things like having little boards that would say like "Hi Ted." And you just see my face with the sign that said, hi, Ted. And then you would click on it. And it would be like a 30 to 60 second video of me just kind of doing a little bit of an information dump like I would do in my email. But people will stay engaged for 30 to 60 seconds. Mm. Um, so those were small tweaks that we did that really helped leveraging LinkedIn. Mm. I tracked how many people over the course of three months. We'd added like 4,000 people, my team, to, to LinkedIn. Mm. And, and got really aggressive on there with using LinkedIn Sales Navigator to follow prospects, knowing when to engage with their content, you know, leave a comment. Just I do things like, uh, you know, drop a white paper, drop a podcast link. Hey, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Right. Like it's nothing invasive. We're not talking about me or my product. I want to know what you think of this information that relates to our industry and allow them to be the expert. So we, we put strategies like that into place. And then I basically um, – I, I, you know, I took the Cardone approach. Don't be a little bitch. And we just, we, uh, we, you know, I knew my competition was not going to be making calls. And I said, you know, we got to double down. Your goal was 40. You're going to do 80. So sorry. I knew I'd catch you guys off guard. You're going to catch me off. That was my curveball. That was my curveball. Man, Taz, I tell you, man, I tell you those, (laughs) that, uh, that, that Disney sponsor we got. Yeah. After, after the first sh- oh. sugar, you said, I know, you know, we, you know, oh. second sugar, I'm but sorry. then you just Boy. dropped a bit. Bis- I dropped a biscuit, man. So I, yeah, we're, we're done, man. I'll believe myself cool. next time. Um, cool. No, but, cool. but that was really it. It was, it was more than anything. It was doubling down on the daily activities. And I told my team, it's going to be hard. The competition's not going to be in the marketplace. Everybody's going to take their foot off the gas pedal right now. Mm. Stomp it to the floor, but go into the marketplace with empathy Mm. and ask how you can serve and help. And I guarantee you, even if they don't write with us now, they will when all this stuff clears up. And that's exactly what happened. That's a good point. So, so many people were, Eric and I talk about this all the time. We're like, yeah, once the pandemic's over, then I get back in. It sounds like you were like, oh no, we're going to, no, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna deal with the cars that we were dealt. hundred percent. Yeah, my the the arc the corporation I worked for at that point they actually reduced our goal, and I, I was you know <laughs> I was the only one that said this is the this is the wrong message to send to the organization. Mm. And, and and I said I'll, I'll you can add more to me, and uh, and so that's, that's it. What, that's what I'm talking about, Eric. <laughs> you gonna cut me back? No, I'm gonna add more. Add more to me. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So they gold me uh, said they gold me for 17 million and I did 25. And the year before we had done 15. Awesome. And they, and they told me it wasn't possible to do more than 23. So why did they tell you that? You were like, oh, okay. I'm it sure. hadn't been done. Yeah. So I was I was like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, it speaks to the mindset, right? I mean, so many yeah. people, like you said, oh, yeah, we got to put the brakes on. We got to, no, you don't have to. You you have to change your approach. You know, you have to, you know, Calendly. Like, and for me, Calendly, then that's, that's ended my phone tag game. Right. I just send him a link, schedule, and we move, we move on to the next thing. Um, 
That that no, that's excellent, and that's the mindset that we all need to make sure we're embracing. We want right. to succeed. You know, it's it's crazy. If you look at the mindset, this is where I think a lot of people they have such a scarcity mindset. Yeah. If 30, 35% of all money ever printed was printed last year. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of money out there. We just print it. We just print it off. We just write off like $7 trillion. Someone's going to get that money. And so I wanted it to be me and my team. Taz, you got me. Taz, you got me pumped up right now. <laughs> like, I feel like running through this screen right now. I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. He's like, yeah, they're printing money right now. Let's get it. Yeah, exactly. Before someone else does. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm about to go sell something. I'm fired up. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so we got Dr. Rudy Jackson. Um, I think he's commenting on that book, Vlog Like a Boss by Amy yes. Shimador, looks like. Yeah. 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 Cool. Shout out to Dr. Rudy Jackson for following the show. All right. So we are at that time. It's uh, Tizer, this is Ted's favorite part of the show. It's where we go around the horn. And each of us, we, we leave a closing thought that can help our followers to become unstoppable. And Tizer, you're the guest of honor, so we'll start with you. What is that closing thought that you have to leave the people with? Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for both uh, having me on. I really sincerely appreciate the opportunity. It means a lot to me when people give me an opportunity to speak to their, their audience. So thank you so much, both of you. Uh, it's been a fun conversation. Uh, the message I, I like to leave with people, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're, we're also programmed with fear and it, and it comes at us from so many different angles through every which way we look in our society. It's, it's so fear driven and that can be very detrimental to our mental health right? So one, take care of yourself. But two, recognize that sometimes that fear that you feel inside is your greatest opportunity. And I can just only speak from my own personal life experience. Every time I was trying to manifest an opportunity, it was presented and I was scared and I walked into that fear. I've leveled up. I mean, in the last 10 years, I 10 X my income, you know, but it required me to move it required me to move three different states, right? Move my family around, have to reset a couple of times. So I have to say, you know, um, have the fortitude to walk into your fear and magical things will happen. Hmm. Fortitude to walk into your fear. That's I'm right. Supposed to, I'm supposed to follow something like that. I'm <laughs> fortitude to walk into your fear. I'm supposed to follow that, man. That's deep. That's deep, man. Let me tell you. So... Yeah. You know, for me, when I think, you know, I think about, you know, sales, I think it's it's so the, the biggest thing for me is just always to just focus on on connecting. Right. If you can connect with someone, you know, then 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 they're open for you to, you know, to to hear what you really have to say. If you can at least focus on connecting. And so I constantly just work on just connecting with people. just, you know, even if you're not even you're not selling anything, just you know, saying hello, speaking to someone, saying a kind gesture, just connecting with people throughout the, the day. I tell Eric this all the time. It's, it's, there's never a restaurant that I go to that I don't connect with the server, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, one, that person's going back there and getting my food. And if they drop the if they drop the roll or whatever, they rub it under their arm. I don't want them rubbing it under their arm or anything like that. I want them, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I'm saying, that's a good guy. And I'm not 
you know, I really felt like rubbing it under my arm, but I'm not going to do it today because he's a good guy. But no, you just find ways to connect with people. And then, you know, it's much easier to, you know, to get them to at least hear what it is you're talking about. Right. So, you know, and I, I think that that's what you're doing, you know, whether it's verbal or, you know, if it's something that you're doing on, you know, LinkedIn, you know, which was a, a platform that I was really successful connecting with people or doing, especially during the pandemic, and just connect. Right. You know, what is it in there that I can relate and not and not trying. No one likes you to sound too salesy. either, Right. Because no one really no one really likes being sold to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No one really likes that. Right. They like now, you know, that whole thing about the numbers game. Right. I think it's a thing of at some point you hit someone when they do need their carpet clean. Right. If you call 100 people, somebody's going to be like, you know what? I've been meaning to do it. You called me and sure, you can come through and do it. You know, it's interesting. I have this tree out in the front yard and I'm just like, man, I need to have something done with this tree. And and I know this one business has always been sending me this stuff. And this is good and trash it. Now I need something done with this tree because my neighbor's saying, hey, can you do something about the tree? And something came in the mail about the tree. So they're going to get a call. Right. So it's just, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's going to be a numbers thing, whether it's something that you're sending out mail or email, or just talking to people or whatever. And you're playing the, like you said, Eric, the, you know, the numbers don't lie. You play the numbers game, you know, and, and there's going to be some people that are going to, you know, that are going to have a need for, you know, for hopefully what you're selling. But then when you have opportunities to engage, you know, you know, you definitely want to listen. You definitely want to have the empathy, all the things that you talked about, Kaiser, and just, Try to make that connection. Don't do a, a hard sale because no one likes a hard sale. Yeah. So yeah. So just kind of kind of treat people how you want to be treated, right? When yeah. when you pick up the phone or when you see an email, I mean, you don't want to see a ten-page, you know, email because it's important to you. It's not necessarily important to me. That's just another email that I got to go through. So I think you just gave some great, you know, some great tips and. Uh, Again, thank you for uh, being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, now this is awesome. Uh, and, and my around the horn has to do with you were talking about a little bit about follow up. And um, I, I read something where they said that 68% of all business is lost due to a failure, follow, failure to follow up. Mm. And, and most people are bad at it. And, and I can tell you, like, I ended up in organizations just because or at a particular organization, just because that person followed up with me and the other people I called didn't, you know, I, I call, I got, when I joined Toastmasters, Ted, I, mm-hmm. I called several clubs and one person took the time to call me back. And that ended up being the club I joined. And a lot of great things happened as a result of me being in that club. But I just think the fortune is in the follow-up. And then if you really just can make it, and I love your idea of, talking about how you're going to follow up on the message. Like you, you're leaving a message. Hey, I'm going to follow up with you next Tuesday. Um, I think if, if we really focus on becoming great at follow up, I mean, you can really grow your sales from there. So, totally not, so some, some great tips. I, I think our, our followers, they, they have what they need to become unstoppable as it relates to, to sales and definitely want to thank Tizer Evans for everything that, that he shared with us. Uh, so, Tizer, how can people connect with you to get more information? Uh, yeah, thank you. And again, I apologize about the profanity. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I just want to get out one more time. Which, which, which one, Tizer? I know, I know. 
Jeez. first one or the tenth one. Well, yeah. Full <laughs> disclaimer: if you don't listen to my podcast, <laughs> your ears are going to be burning. There's um, no problem. So, uh, no, just tiesrevens.com is a great place. Uh, you can find the podcast. Uh, send me an email. Um, great place to connect. Great. TizerEvans.com. Make sure you check out his podcast. Of course, when you're not watch, listening to Washington 30 Minute Hour, definitely that's a great podcast to listen and watch. Uh, no, you say, is yours? Is it video and audio? Or is it just audio? No, it's video and audio. I I, I throw it up on YouTube for the Perfect. you know three or four people that find it there. <laughs> three or four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fantastic. Yeah, this has been another awesome episode. Hopefully, we helped you to laugh, to learn, and to level up. And if you feel like we did that for you, share the show. Share the show. (laughs) It's not the same time that unless Ted leans in and says it. Yeah, that's that's when they know I'm serious, man. (laughs) Share the show. Keep it to yourself. He he is not playing. I got to share this thing. He leaned in. I got to share it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, but don't keep us a secret. Share the show. Hopefully you got value. This concludes another episode of the 30-Minute Hour Podcast. We told you it's not your everyday podcast. You want to listen to the replay, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen to your podcast. There you'll find us. That's our show for this week. Until next time, have a great one.